On today's Blue Bay Insights podcast, I'm joined by Andres Schieber, Head of US Credit, to update us on all things high yield. Welcome, Andres. Hello. So let's start with a quick market recap. What have been the highlights and lowlights of April? We think that clearly the highlight of April has been the pace of recovery across risk assets, how much we have already managed to rebound from the March lows. But also, uh, what we find very encouraging is how rational that rebound has been with higher quality credits outperforming weaker, more vulnerable issuers. In terms of low light, I would have to highlight that liquidity remains challenging. It has improved somewhat compared to March levels, but liquidity is still available only to a limited group of issuers where the market is most focused upon. What we also know in terms of low light is the fact that the faults have picked up aggressively. We've seen the most amount of defaults in over 10 years uh, this month alone. That trend is expected to continue. What drove the three-week performance run during the month and why did it come to an end? We believe it was the combination of aggressive fiscal and monetary policy actions that helped the market to rebound aggressively in the first three weeks of April. What also helped was witnessing Chinese and Korean success in containing the virus, uh, increasing the hopes for economies getting back to normal in other affected markets as the year progressed. When it comes to reasons for the rebound pausing about a week or so ago, we think that's mostly related to a pickup in new issue supply and indigestion that started setting in amongst investors facing a lot of new issuers and bonds coming to the market. In your view, how are the latest central bank actions impacting the high-yield market? Overall, we see those actions as very positive, but we want to be very clear in stating that they're not the panacea for weaker high-yield issuers. Let's look at the number of ways in which those actions help the market. Firstly, we find that the Main Street Lending Program helps smaller and mid-cap high-yield issuers to access funding at a time this might not be available from commercial banks. Secondly, Federal Reserve's $750 billion primary and secondary corporate bond buying programs include fallen angels. And that is particularly important as it's greatly reducing the risk associated with migration of those credits to high yield. We expect at least 200, 250 billion worth of issuers moving from triple B ratings to high yield markets. And the fact that Federal Reserve will be actively buying those securities and uh, helping those issuers to refinance will be of paramount importance to ensuring a smooth transition from investment grades to high-yield markets. Federal Reserve's primary and secondary buying programs also include purchases of ETFs. Some of those purchases will be made in high-yield ETFs. That will help the market to reduce inventory levels at trading counterparties providing a positive technical support for our universe. In summary, 
those actions, in our view, will help to mitigate liquidity issues faced by high-yield credits, especially fallen angels. But they don't really address solvency issues. That's why we don't really see weaker end of high yield as a major beneficiary of these programs. And that is also the reason why across our portfolios, we very much want to maintain a quality bias in our issuer selection. Can you talk us through the differences between the US and Europe in terms of new issues? There have been tremendous differences between the two markets in April. In the US, April was extremely busy with over 40 billion of supply. If you include low triple B rated deals of issuers that are clearly heading for high yield, that were also pretty much exclusively marketed to high yield investors. We've seen a much greater share of secured deals than has been the case in the past, and also shorter maturities with five year being the main tenor of bonds coming to the market. All those things reflect risk aversion of investors at this time and a cautious nature of issuers at this juncture. While US has been extremely busy on the primary front, that wasn't the case in Europe. We've seen very little supply coming to the market in Europe uh, over the course of April, and we expect uh, Europe to lag in that respect over the weeks to come. Oil prices have become headline news during the month. In your view, how are energy names coping, particularly in the US? In one word, poorly. We are witnessing an increase in the amount of defaults within the energy space. Only this week, we've seen one of the main oil rig drillers filing for bankruptcy. And we expect this trend to continue as we do not foresee a quick rebound in oil prices. The main reason for that relates to the fact that the cuts agreed by OPEC and Russia are not sufficient to offset the demand decline that we have experienced over the weeks. It will take quite a long time for demand for oil to recover to levels where current surpluses can be addressed. In the meantime, markets, particularly in the US, will be worried about hitting storage levels and pushing prices further down. Another aspect that is not helpful for the existing roster of high-yield energy issuers is the fact that amongst triple-B issuers migrating to high-yield, a good portion of those are energy names with large liquid capital structures and many more levers to address their balance sheets compared to your generic high-yield energy name. That, in our view, means that as a new batch of energy issuers, higher-rated energy issuers, enters the high-yield index, the interest and demand for the lower-rated, smaller, more obscure high-yield energy issuers will decline and their ability to address their capital structures will also be more limited. So we want to maintain a cautious stance amongst energy credits and prefer to focus on the higher rated names within the space in the context of an underweight view. Have you made any adjustments to your positioning to account for rising defaults? 
What's your longer-term view on the default outlook? In the U.S., we've just crossed 5% default rate, and we strongly believe that we will be heading higher. It's very likely that we might hit double digits by the end of this year. So defaults are a real risk in our markets and something that portfolios have to be prepared for. As part of the recent market dislocation, we felt very strongly about the need to re-underwrite every single credit story we hold across the portfolios. Some of the issuers that we felt were perfectly safe a month or two months ago could now be in peril. And for that reason, we made sure that all of the holdings we carry across our strategies can survive in the difficult economic environment that we're facing now. And that is calling for ongoing need for re-underwriting of every individual credit story within our strategies. And that's exactly what we've done. And as a result of that, we have exited a number of positions across our portfolios over the last weeks, taking advantage of the rebound that we've witnessed. But in general, our portfolios benefited from a clear focus on larger liquid capital structures and avoiding more obscure, deeply cyclical credits that would be most vulnerable in the context of uh, current economic problems. And to conclude, can you sum up your current outlook thinking into just a sentence or two? We are constructed from our asset class as with the current spread levels, there have been very few times, if ever historically, where investors lost money in high yield on the one, two, three or five year basis. So for that reason, we think the outlook for returns in the asset class is strong. However, we also acknowledge that companies will be facing severe earnings pressures over the quarters to come as economies gradually heal from the damage caused by the coronavirus outbreak. And for that reason, we maintain a strong quality bias across the portfolios, preferring non-cyclical issuers with strong balance sheets that will be able to steer through this season in a relatively good shape. And with that in mind, we think portfolios are positioned to take advantage of the returns available to investors uh, in high-yield asset class. Andres, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you very much. This podcast is issued in the United Kingdom by Blue Bay Asset Management LLP, which is authorised and regulated by the UK Financial Conduct Authority registered with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission and the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission and is a member of the National Futures Association. This podcast may also be issued in the United States by Blue Bay Asset Management LLC, which is registered with the SEC and the NFA. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Unless otherwise stated, all data has been sourced by Blue Bay. To the best of Blue Bay's knowledge and belief, this podcast is true and accurate at the date hereof. Blue Bay makes no express or implied warranties or representations with respect to the information contained in this podcast and hereby expressly disclaim all warranties of accuracy, completeness or fitness for a particular purpose. This podcast is intended for professional clients and eligible counterparties as defined by the FC.
DCA only and should not be relied upon by any other category of customer. Except where agreed explicitly in writing, Blue Bay does not provide investment or other advice and nothing in this podcast constitutes any advice nor should be interpreted as such. No Blue Bay fund will be offered except pursuant and subject to the offering memorandum and subscription materials the offering materials. If there is an inconsistency between this podcast and the offering materials for the Blue Bay Fund, the provisions in the offering materials shall prevail. You should read the offering materials carefully before investing in any Blue Bay Fund. This podcast does not constitute an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to purchase any security or investment product in any jurisdiction and is for information purposes only. No part of this podcast may be reproduced in any manner without the prior written permission of Blue Bay Asset Management, LLP. Copyright 2020, Blue Bay. The investment manager, advisor and global distributor of the Blue Bay Funds is a wholly owned subsidiary of Royal Bank of Canada and the Blue Bay Funds may be considered to be related and or connected issuers to Royal Bank of Canada and its other affiliates. Registered trademark of Royal Bank of Canada. RBC Global Asset Management is a trademark of Royal Bank of Canada. Blue Bay Asset Management LLP, registered office, 77 Grosvenor Street, London, W1K 3JR, partnership registered in England and Wales, number OC370085. The term partner refers to a member of the LLP or a Blue Bay employee with equivalent standing. Details of membership of the Blue Bay Group and further important terms which this message is subject to can be obtained at www.bluebay.com. All rights reserved.